while Alicia grabs the microphone, I would just like to say how great it is to be back. Uh, coming in this morning and seeing so many positive faces and it just gave me a little extra buzz of excitement and I didn't realise until I was here this morning of how much of a drought it has been. So I'm just, I was just a little bit excited about that. <sighs> I am just a little bit nervous this morning because I've only rehearsed this three times instead of my normal five. <laughs> but uh, I'm just going to quickly go just a little bit off script because uh, I was thinking about this and I thought, do I, don't I? I'm, I want to share this. During COVID, while we were all remote uh, and connections and everything were, were being difficult, Ken spoke, and I just happened to be listening to him in the car, and he said something along the lines of, you know, we're meeting, we're putting up with the situation that we're in at the moment because we, we're looking forward to the day that we can all get together again. And, and today that day's kind of arrived, that we've that we've gone through a drought, that we've gone through this period where we had a vision of, of what we're looking forward to uh, and, and we can put up with what we're in now because of what we're, the day that we're all together. And it just suddenly struck me. It was, I, I don't know if he said it intentionally or not, but it was almost word for word uh, with that passage in the Bible where, where um, Paul or whoever it was said, we're putting up with the world that we're living in now because we have a vision of being together with Christ again. And it just struck me and, and I thought, you know what? what the, you know, sometimes we get caught up in life so much, you know, oh, that meeting on Tuesday night and I've got to make sure I move that money into that account and that we lose perspective and we lose sight of the day that is coming when we get to be together with Jesus and a bit like coming here this morning, that gave me a bit of an extra buzz. So if Ken, you're here today, I don't know, I can't see you, but thank you for sharing that because it, it, it really um, ticked something off in my mind. So there, yeah, that was my detour, one of my detours. This morning I'm going to be speaking on how scary is faith. <clears throat> but before I do, I want to put out a little bit of a disclaimer, a, a little bit of a caveat. Uh, I am, I want to put this out there because at the end of my uh, talk this morning, I'm going to be putting out a challenge. And I'm saying this because when I get to my challenge, I don't want you to feel that I've ambushed you, that I've emotionally manipulated you, or that I've conjoled, or that uh, I'm wanting you to do it out of some sense of obligation. That's not my goal, but I do need to explain it. So there, that's my disclaimer. <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. How scary is faith? What is faith? Um, many years ago, when I was, I think I was a teenager, my grandfather caught me off guard at Christmas one day. And we were, I can't remember what we were talking about, but he turned to me and he said, Michael, what is faith? And put me on the spot. And I was like, I, I don't know. I'd grown up in a Christian home. I'd lived it. I'd heard, talked about faith all my life. And then when I was put on the spot, I thought of 400 possible responses and couldn't think of any. So um, he, he said, Michael, faith is belief in action. 
Now, I should really turn this on because I can't remember what my next slide is and I can't remember. Faith is belief in action. I did put it up there. James, in his famous chapter on faith, uh, talks about this in a similar sense. And I'm just going to quickly flick to it. If you've got your Bibles and you want to flick to it, it's James chapter 2. And we'll have a quick read. Oh, gone too far. You're going to... You, I knew I'd do something wrong. <clears throat> uh, and reading from verse 14, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go well, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. If someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. And uh, I'll read on. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, over the years in, in, in Christian circles, I can't help but wonder sometimes if we've a little bit misconceptualized the idea of faith. And let me explain. Sometimes the way that we talk about it I wonder whether or not sometimes we think that it's, it might be something that we have or don't have. You know, and it comes out in the language that we use. How old were you when you found your faith? Uh, I lost my faith when I was a teenager, but I found it again later on in life. I need more faith. Well, you have more faith than me. I think going to that seminar would be really good. It will help you grow your faith. So just in the way that we talk about it, it, it sounds like it's an object, like almost like something that we could pick up at the store if we were running low. You know, when you go and get the milk, can you, I'm, I'm running low on faith. <clears throat> um, but the way that my grandfather talked about faith, and from the way that I get a sense that, that James talked about faith, that it seems more like it's a doing word than an object, that it's something that you do, not something that you have. So if I was, if, so rather than say somebody having faith, that they were faithing. So if we'd looked at, um, oh, I've got way behind in my slides. Yeah. So rather than owning an object, it's a doing word. So maybe we need a, a rewording that 
Abraham was facing when he packed up his belongings and he left for a land that he didn't know where he was going, that Ruth was facing when she followed Naomi back to Moab. And uh, she could have stayed in Moab. She was given the option, but something about her knew that she needed to follow. Uh, and there was a, it was an unknown. Esther was facing when she approached King Xerxes, even though in doing so may have cost her her life. And Bob was facing when last year he knew that it was time for him to leave Kerrang, even though he didn't know where he was going and taking his family. So I just want to sort of <clears throat> create this picture that, that faith is more of a, a, an action that we do, a stepping out. It's a, it's a movement rather than an owning uh, and, and I want to take that for a moment. I'm hoping that you're with me here, that, that you've got an idea of what I'm talking about. But we just pop that up on the shelf for the moment because I need to go on a little bit of a detour <clears throat> and hopefully I'll bring that and, and we'll be able to tie it all back in, in a minute. I've got something in my throat. No, that'll be wrong. When... Uh, if I talk to most of the Christians that I know, um, I, I would my understanding is that for most Christians in their Christian experience, uh, we would we would talk about part of the Christian experience is being transformed into the likeness of Christ. <clears throat> that. The idea that as being in the Christian faith, we're moving from where we're at now uh, or where we were to where we're at now and to where we're going, uh, that, that we have been saved, that we are saved and that we're being saved, that, um, that uh, like um, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, that also in Romans 8, he says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And that Peter says, quoting from the Old Testament, uh, quoting God, where he says, Be holy because I am holy. There seems to be a theme. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's not for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all right. Um, there seems to be this, this theme running through Christianity that we're on a journey of growth, that we're growing into the image of Jesus. <clears throat> that we, yeah. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is that growth never happens in our comfort zone. So you know what I mean when I'm talking about our comfort zone. You know, it's that little, it's that, it's the world that we know and understand. You know, um, the comfort zone of, you know, it's the stuff that we know that we're comfortable with. It's predictable. It's safe. It's it's unchallenging. You know, it, it's life that we know, and often we can find that in that little zone of, of where we're comfortable. Um, things go nice and easily. 
Unfortunately, growth is outside our comfort zone. The growth zone is different. It can be stretching. It can, it can at off, and often is very painful. Uh, it's a place of where we are often restless. Uh, it, it's unsafe, and it can be perceived to be unsafe. It's often very not comfortable, and it's often very not easy. <clears throat> Faith is the action of stepping outside of your comfort zone into the growth zone. So if we look at and we pick up our, what we talked about earlier in terms of faith, it's that movement, it's that stepping out. And, and it's often uh, stepping into a place that we don't understand, but that's where growth occurs. The benefit of stepping out into our growth zone, into that place of uncomfortable, is that in time it becomes our comfort zone. And that's what growth is all about. It's expanding our comfort zone so that our abilities and our experience and what we can do and what we're comfortable with is bigger than what it ever was. The, the other way of that is if we always stay within our comfort zone, it tends to be what people refer to as reductionistic. It reduces constantly. If it ever becomes scary, then we withdraw into what we always know and our worlds become smaller and smaller. Whereas stepping out in faith is something that often is uncomfortable, but it stretches us and it helps us to grow into uh, and experience a bigger world. Now, you might be saying, Mike, it's easy for you standing up there because you've got it together. Well, I would say you don't know me very well. <laughs> um, I, the irony that I am standing up here talking about faith is not lost on me. About 10 years ago, and if anybody saw my testimony, uh, which I think is still online, then they'll have heard my story about 10 years ago when I was, I pretty much threw away my belief in God and I pretty much gave away everything that I understood. And I stood before my lecturer one day and I said, at the, I said, I think the only reason I'm still a Christian is because I don't know how not to be. That is where my point I had got to. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is at about the same time, one of my good friends came up to me and, and very seriously took me aside and he said, Mike, I'm really concerned about your faith, where you're at right now. And strangely enough, within a week, my lecturer said to me, Michael, I don't think your faith has ever been in a better position. Try and make sense of that. What now, looking back, I think what my friend was saying is, I'm really concerned about your beliefs, that you, I'm scared that you're going to give up your beliefs. What my lecturer was saying is, you've come to a place where all of your beliefs are in question, but your faith is strong because you're stepping into something else. You're still pursuing God, even though you don't understand him. So, I just wanted to put it in there because I, I felt like I, I didn't want you to think that I, 
you know, I'm speaking from a place where I've got this conquered and sorted. I'm talking about this as much myself as I am to anybody else. I feel like I'm very much in, in a, a position right now where I'm stepping or I may be called to step out in faith myself. So I don't want you to think that I'm up here telling you what to do. <laughs> uh, if we look at um, the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith, uh, I'm hoping that everyone's familiar with it. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer uh, goes on, it's quite a long chapter, and covers a great number of examples of great acts of faith and, and all of the great characters of faith throughout the Bible. And we get towards the end and there's just this little sentence that says, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Covers one, two, three, four, five, six fellas in one sentence. But one of those guys is Gideon. And I would have kind of liked the Hebrews writer to write a little bit more about Gideon. But I just want to pick up on Gideon and have a little bit of a look at him. I'm going to be a little bit naughty and not read the chapters of Gideon because it's quite a long story and there's particular parts that I want to point out. But I'm hoping you're familiar with the story. It says that um, in, I think it's about verse 5 or 6, it says that uh, the Midianites were conquering Israel and that they had so overwhelmed the Israelites uh, and they were so oppressive that many of the Israelites had gone to hide and live in caves uh, and, and, and hide. And when we pick up the story of Gideon, he is threshing uh, wheat in a wine press, which I'm no farmer, but I'm led to understand that that's not usually what you do. The way I read it is basically he's in a barn hiding, <clears throat> trying to thresh some wheat uh, so that the Midianites don't capture him, uh, just take all of his stuff. Then the angel of the Lord turns up and he says, the Lord is with you, great and mighty warrior. And what's Gideon's response? Who, me? Uh, I'm, I, 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 I'm no great and mighty warrior. I'm, I'm just a farmer. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think you've got the wrong guy. You know, I mean, my, my family's the least in Manasseh, and, and I'm the least in my family. Like, I'm a nobody. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a great and mighty warrior. But the Lord says, am I not with you? We, you will go and conquer the Midianites, and we will do it together. Now, over the next period, um, the angel of the Lord does a number of interactions with him, uh, which is the consuming the offering that, that Gideon prepares, that uh, he is asked to um, pull down the, um, the Asherah pole and the idols to Baal. And then he does the, the, the famous fleece test. Uh, and that is all to convince Gideon that God is actually with him. And when Gideon, when, when the penny drops for him, then he goes and he collects 30,000 fellas, and God says, no, you've got too many, you just need 300. <clears throat> and with 300 men, 
conquers the entire Midianite army and completely decimates them. So I'm like, okay, so, so Gideon is, is listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith because of that story. So maybe his faithing happened when he started to act according to the calling of God on his life. Maybe his faithing happened when he started to believe who God saw him as, not who he saw himself as. Maybe, maybe sometimes God sees us differently to how we see ourselves and that faithing is actually picking up God's picture even if we can't see it yet. So what about us? Maybe what I'm talking about this morning is starting to ring true for you. Maybe you're becoming aware of a faith step being put before you. I'm not going to try and say what you should or shouldn't do. I don't believe in shoulds. I think that that's between you and God. My aim this morning was to try and explain what the nature of faith is and give you a put you in a position where if you are able to step out into faith and to step into that growth zone. I can say that God will never call you to sin. I can say that God will, if you are wondering about things, that it's not God to be stepping out into a faith step that is in a sinful direction. But maybe today God is tapping you on the shoulder. I just want to pick up on something that I did miss at the start when I was talking about um, Bob and Ruth and Abraham when they were faithing, when they stepped out. And it's interesting that Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham was called by God to step out into faith and go to the land he didn't know where he was going. Bob said that he believed that God was calling him out of Kerrang. But if we look at the stories of Ruth and Esther, God is not mentioned. And I wonder whether or not sometimes a faith step doesn't necessarily require a calling of God in order for it to still be a faith step. Um, That's what I wanted to cover uh, about faith today. This is where I'm putting out the challenge. I'm putting the call out. And this is a faith step that I'm doing. I don't want anyone to act or respond out of a sense of guilt. I don't want anyone to act out of a sense of some sort of should or some sense of obligation. If that's where your response is coming from, then don't respond. But it became evident to me earlier in the year how much our church seems to struggle when we don't have a senior pastor speaking every week. So I had a bit of a think and I put a proposal to the eldership to take a series of workshops uh, to teach people how to write sermons. 
so I'm putting out the proposal uh, to run a, yeah, a series of workshops to teach a new generation of speakers so that if we have trouble finding another senior pastor or for some reason Paul is not able to speak every week, uh, that we have a collection of new generation speakers that can, uh, that can um, answer the call. I'm not just referring to the men. I'm willing to take uh, the women as well. But if there's a sense on you or there's an interest from you that you would like to learn how to write sermons, I'm not saying that I'm the best sermon writer or that I'm going to have all the answers, but I think that it's a set of workshops and a journey that we can go on together, and my aim is to help you discover your voice. I reckon I can handle a group of about eight, uh, probably a weekly session, and to train people to come up here and do this. It's really not that hard. Uh, so that's my call. I am taking a faith step because I don't know how to go. I certainly don't see myself as a sermon teacher, uh, but I'm going to have a crack if you want to learn. And on that note, I'm going to commit it to God. Father God, this morning we've covered some big topics. I think I've stretched the minds of some people and I think I've challenged them. So, Lord, I put it over into your hands. And, Lord, I ask that uh, if, it's, if it's the right thing for, for this, for any person, that they have a sense of courage to take that step forward. But, Lord, if it's not their thing, if this is not where their hearts are at, then I also hope that they have the courage to, and the sense and the peace to be able to say no. And Lord, there's many things that go on in our lives and it is easy to back out and it's easy to stay with where we know and what's comfortable. Lord, today when situations arise and as the week goes on, that I, I hope that some people or we all get tapped on the shoulder and given that opportunity to stretch ourselves and to grow into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.